Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Connected Parenting. So today I wanted to talk about something really important, and this is sort of a foundation to building resilience in your kids and um, and recuperation. And if we've learned anything in 2020, it's that things can change really fast. Uh, disappointments can happen. For some kids and families, there have been huge disappointments, really big things happening Um you know, tragically losing family members, uh, financial, big financial changes. And for a lot of families, there's just been regular kind of disappointments. Um, And for our kids, because we've tended to raise them by making everything as easy as possible for them, we've tried to smooth out every bump in the road. They are not particularly equipped, this generation, to handle disappointment. And there's been a lot of it, and there will be more. And life is like that. I say this all the time that you can't, um, you, if you try to protect your child from every disappointment and every hurt, all you're doing is giving them a disadvantage. So the neurological hardware that needs to develop in order to handle disappointments, trouble, breakups, not making a team, not getting the job, um, that, that hardware comes from experience. It comes from losing something learning something, losing something again, and learning something. And if we rob our children of those experiences, then they're not going to have the neurological equipment to handle trouble when it comes, and trouble always comes. Hi, everyone. I'm Jennifer Colary. I'm a child and family therapist and a parenting coach and the founder of Connected Parenting. And welcome to the Connected Parenting Weekly Podcast. Join me every week. And we'll tackle everything from temper tantrums to bedtime to sibling issues to teenage angst. Parenting can be so wonderful, but it can be so hard. Parents often say to me, hey, can you just come live at my house? This is the next best thing. Let's do this together. So let's talk about how to help your kids deal with disappointment. So the first thing I want to talk about is the importance of disappointment. Healthy adversity is actually critical to good mental health. The brain organizes itself in polarity. A bad thing means a good thing is better. And a good thing means a bad thing is worse. And it just goes back and forth. And as you deal with that polarity, because everything in life has an equal and opposite, you help your children learn that contrast, so disappointment, hurt feelings, going through something really hard, are are be the things that really help you of your character and the sense of who you are later on in life. So as difficult as it is for us as parents to watch our children struggle and to watch them suffer, in those moments, there is growth, there is learning, there is an opportunity to see how strong they are, to learn how to recover, to learn that things can seem really difficult and really impossible and that you can be okay But if we've jumped in and rescued them every single time and fixed it or bought them something or called that teacher or got them invited to that thing or got them on that team they shouldn't be on, we're robbing them. We're robbing them of the learning that can come from more negative experiences. History is the greatest teacher you will ever have, right? So learning from those those difficult experiences really is critical to mental health. Those contrasts, those contours in life are essential because it's those things that actually help us really appreciate when things go well, when things feel good, 
when things are pleasant and things are positive and you cannot have one without the other. Now I've given this example before, but imagine you had a little eight-year-old girl and you have fixed every problem she's ever had. You can't stand her looking upset. You can't stand her suffering. So every time she is sad, you rush in and you buy her something or you have a different birthday party or you find something else to, to distract her and make her feel better. She's learning two things. One, pain is intolerable. Sadness is intolerable. It's an emotion that is really painful. It's so bad that my parents won't even let me experience it. And my parents can't even tolerate my sadness. So it must be really, really bad. So there's sort of this doubling down of what happens in these negative experiences. Now imagine that you take that little girl to go and get an ice cream cone and she's eating her ice cream and it plops onto the floor. Now that child is going to start crying and screaming. She will be shrieking and devastated. Why? Because the ice cream falling on the floor is actually one of the worst things that's ever happened to her because every other part of her life has been so carefully programmed and cushioned. All we've done is shift it. She's going to experience the pain anyway, but now she's going to experience it over smaller and smaller things because the brain is constantly looking for that balance and that polarity. So the first thing you want to be able to do is use the calm technique. So go back to the earlier podcasts and, and listen to all of those. It's really important because it's how you listen and hold space and sit with your child or your mother-in-law or your spouse or your best friend. It's not just for kids when they struggle. It's, it's being present with them in that painful moment, not talking them out of it, not cheerleading them out of it, um, not distracting them out of it, but being present and truly listening with your heart in that moment. That's the greatest thing you can do for your child. So we'll come back to an exact example in a moment, but you're present with them in that moment. You're using the calm technique, two or three statements to release that oxytocin, to help your child feel like you've heard them. It is not happening to you. You are not devastated. You know that it is happening to them. You are grounded and neutral. And then you do your absolute best not to rescue not to fix the situation. If there's a le learning lesson in there, your child needs to experience that lesson. The best example I could give you is let's say your child procrastinated horribly on a project and it's too late. They can't do it anymore. It's too late. Instead of doing it for them or doing it with them at 10 o'clock at night, you mirror first, which looks like, you know what? This is a horrible feeling. You really did believe you were going to get this done. You, everything in you thought you were going to be able to finish this and that it was going to be okay, but it's taken so much longer than you thought it was going to take. And that's a really scary feeling. You're right in there. Now you're not uh, panicking. You're not going, you really thought this was going to work. And now it can't, your own emotions can't be in there. You must be parenting from a place of love, not fear. It's happening to her or to him. And you are sharing that back. You are reflecting that back through empathy and compassion in the realm of neutrality. And then you say, my darling, I love you enough to help you learn this lesson. You need to learn what happens when you don't do your homework, when you leave something at the last minute. And if I jump in and rescue you, and if we do this together, your brain is going to remember that it worked. 
and it turned out okay. And in this case, I don't want your brain to know that it's okay because it's not okay. It's going to keep piling up and it's going to be something that you keep doing. So I want you to learn this lesson now. I'm not going to help you. I'm tired. It's 10 o'clock at night. I've worked all day. Either do it yourself or don't do it. But you need to figure out what happens when you make a choice like this. And again, it must be in that beautiful, neutral tone. It can't be, you've left it to the last minute. Now you got to figure out what happened. It's up to you to find out. You got yourself in this mess. It can't have that energy because that's all about fear, right? That's all about angst and it's all about fear and that's not the right energy. Then they just walk away thinking, you didn't help me. You're so mean. You don't care what happens to me. And that becomes the context that you're communicating in. It must come from a place of love. I love you enough not to buy you that. I love you enough not to do that homework for you. I love you enough not to call and make this right. Because as hard as this is, you need to learn choices. And that when you make choices, there will be consequences. This is so critical because if you, if you don't teach them this, life will. And then you'll have a child in their late 20s, early 20s, late teens, who does not have to handle all kinds of things that life is going to throw at you. And when you have little kids, you actually do have some control over their lives. You can give them a timeout. You can take their computer away. You can go in and talk to the teacher. When they're older, you can't do anything but watch. They are, they have sovereignty. They have independence. They will make their own choices. And all you can do is stand back and hope that you have taught them enough and loved them enough so that they can make really good choices and or learn from their negative choices. What you can do is constantly remind your child, I believe in you. I see what you're capable of. I know what you're capable of. I'm excited to watch this unfold. I'm excited for you to see you become the person I know you are. Getting them to line up with their integrity. Are you in your integrity or are you out of your integrity? When you're out of your integrity, you know you did a bunch of things first and goofed around and watched a bunch of shows and, and ignored what you needed to do. And now that project is due and now you're in big trouble. But the reason you're upset is because you know that you're out of your integrity. That's how you guide your child. That's how you love your child into becoming the incredible human being that they're meant to become. Now, another technique that is really important it's, and this is more for little kids, um, but it's really important because it prepares kids for later in life when big hurts and little hurts become different things. But having a conversation with your child about what is a big hurt and what is a little hurt. So you talk about a big hurt first and don't make up something terrifying. <laughs> work, work with your child. But if it's something that they can really identify with, so if they've lost a grandparent, you know, if they've had an experience in life that has been a really big hurt, you can use that as an anchor point. Um, if they haven't, then and sort of find the something in their in their life that was a really big thing that they had a really hard time with, and use that as a definition of a big hurt. And then you talk about a little hurt. Well, a little hurt was my show wasn't on that I thought was going to be on, or. Um, I thought we were going to be able to go for a walk and we can't right now. Like you just sort of find that scale with them. And then there would be a medium hurt. So if they're little, I don't know, maybe that would be leaving their favorite teddy bear on the subway or a bus or something, or um, losing something that really matters to them. 
you know, not getting invited to something, you know, that's a friend that isn't really a close friend, something like that, that would be a medium hurt. And then constantly working that out with them so that when they're in a moment of upset, you can help them scale it. So your body feels like this is a really big hurt, but is it a little hurt or is it a medium hurt? They will always tell you in the moment, it's, it's a big hurt. <laughs> They'll always say that. But as you're kind of working that out with them, they're um, doing the job of their, you're helping them, you're assisting them in the job that the frontal lobe does, which is to try and take perspective, right? And some of this can be done afterwards. So it, it, there will be moments where doing this in the middle is just not going to work. They're, in, they're so upset. They're in such a fight or flight state that they're hysterical. In that moment, you try three to four statements of mirroring, really being present with them, not talking them out of it, not cheerleading them out of it, maintaining your own sense of neutrality. Tell yourself in that moment, my child is in pain. Think to yourself, my child is in pain, but they're going to be okay. They've been in pain many times before over many things. And in an hour from now, they're going to be okay. Or tomorrow they're going to be okay. Really uh, use mental lobe to adjust where they are in this moment, trusting your child that this is part of life and they will get through it. They will be okay. Acknowledging that you're in pain as well, watching them, just resonating with that feeling, letting it sink in a little bit. Don't fight it. Then you can kind of release it and trust that your child will be okay. And there'll be some learning here and some guiding here. You can do all of this with your child after the event. So maybe a couple of hours later, hey, let's go back and think about what happened this morning. You thought, you know, so-and-so was going to come over and they didn't. Mirror first. Felt really crummy. You had all these plans. I saw you. You were so excited last night. You knew exactly what you wanted to do with your friend. It's so hard when things don't happen. It feels so awful in your body. Just really being present. Letting them feel that. And then you can reflect and say, but you know what? I was thinking about it. And where does that fall on the scale of big hurt to little? I know it felt like a big hurt. It really, really did. But part of learning to grow up and parting, part of learning how to run this amazing brain that you have and deal with all your feelings so that you can control them instead of them controlling you is figuring out, hmm, maybe that was a medium hurt. And helping them actually scale their response. Well, that's interesting because it looked like you had a, you know, a big hurt response to a little hurt and what can we do? And it's um, really helping them look at these situations from a different perspective. Now, as always with connected parenting, you also wanna be doing this with yourself. So we often have, especially if you're an empathic, super sensitive parent, it's going to gut you when your child is upset. Your body is going to have a big hurt response to it. So first you have to ground yourself. You have to acknowledge that feeling, you have to literally use the calm technique on yourself. I love my child so much. I do so much for them. I try in every way possible to make sure that they're having a good life and they're happy and to watch them this devastated is so hard. It's so hurtful. Be really compassionate with yourself. You love your child very, very much, which is why you feel it in such a big way when they're hurting. After you resonate with that, after you allow yourself to feel that feeling, sit with it a little bit, let it flow through you. Take a breath and then say, okay, now I have to move into frontal lobe mode, my own frontal lobe. And I also have to be the substitute frontal lobe for my child. Now I need to go back. I need to keep in my mind a very strong sense that my child will be fine, that this is part of learning, that there is incredible value in contrast and contours. They are essential for growth. They are essential 
for mental health. There are all these little bumps that my child needs to have when they're little in order to be protective, in order for them to have the hardware that they need to handle big bumps later, real bumps that mommy and daddy can't fix. Having faith in your child, having belief in your child that they will get through it. It is very hard. And as we move through life right now, where there's all kinds of change, there's so much anxiety, um, there's a lot of disappointment, a lot of things that were supposed to happen aren't happening right now. We're feeling very fragile and worried ourselves, but it's really important to understand that emotions are information. They are not to be feared. They are not to, you know, you're not to run away from them. They're information. You register them, you read them, you feel them, you resonate with them, and then you release them. And then you teach your child to do the same. This is the greatest gift, honestly, that you can give your child, giving them the gift of emotional resilience, giving them those emotional shock absorbers that they're going to need to handle life. There is nothing greater that you can give your child. Hi, I'm Barrett Caleri from Connected Parenting. I hope you enjoyed our podcast. And don't forget to check us out on the web at connectedparenting.com and like us and follow us on Facebook.